Today I'm joined by a very special guest. Uh, Zach is busy. Josh Lloyd will be joining me. We're going to have a look at uh, some news from the past seven days, what that means for the upcoming seven days. This is Fantasy Basketball International. This is Balls Deep. Imagine with all your complexity, all your imperfection, all your imperfection. Welcome to the Balls Deep Podcast, part of the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by Fantrax, the best fantasy sports platform in the world. It's what we use. It's what my guest uses for his leagues as well. So if you're looking for a uh, much better fantasy experience, hit them up, hit us up. Uh, we can put you in contact with them. Bringing Josh straight in. We're going to uh, we're going to get through this one nice and quickly so he can get up and move around a bit, have something to eat, watch some NBA uh, Luigi, thanks for coming on. No, as Kingy, someone jumped in my uh, live stream chat the other day and told me that they were they went and played some uh, pickup with you the other day and said you had a pretty sweet jumper. Is that true? Uh, they may have. Yeah, I did play the other night for the fir- it was the first time I picked up a ball in two years since I uh, did yeah. my knee injury. So ACL recovery. I, I can't remember. His, I think his name was Jake. Maybe I don't know. He was like, oh, yeah, I played with Kingy. He was uh, hitting hitting some shots. Oh, okay, it could have been. Yeah, I, I also missed a few, but. Uh, yeah, it, it was just a it was just a scrimmage. It was just to get out and and the comeback is on the cards for February next year. So I, I just needed to do wow. something. That's a longer um, recovery than Jonathan Isaac. It was it was very long, uh, and and I'm a bit sore still from my knee is good, but the rest of my body is not. So that's good. That's because um, you're old, man. You can't do anything about that. Uh, yeah, it is an age thing. Um, so we're going to try and get this one done in uh, in 25 minutes, probably half an hour. I sent through a few names. Um, they're just guys that I guess I'm getting questions about. I'm sure you're getting questions about mm. that I thought are, are, are pretty relevant. So first guy is Kobe White. Um, he's been playing really well for the Bulls. Uh, the other guys, we don't know what's happening with the lean. We don't know what's happening with Vooch, the Rosen. Uh, but Kobe White, if you if you are able to sort of ride through that early season rough spot, uh, he's top thirty over the last two weeks, uh, twenty two points. Four rebounds, almost five assists, half a steal, five three-pointers. Um, people are sort of saying, is this sustainable? Should we sell high? I mean, he's not going to be a top 30 player. But what do you sort of see for him moving forward? Um, I know we don't know what's happening with the rest of the Bulls rotation, but he's clearly must roster. And do you think this can be the breakout season for him? Um, that's a good question. He is, he is clearly must roster. You're right. Um <sighs> sustainability is probably not there at this level, right? He's not going to be play 40 minutes or shoot the, the lights out, but there is a level of sustainable um, value in 12-team leagues for him rest of the season. I, I, I've been pretty adamant about holding him for most of the year, but, you know, I, what we have getting now is really exciting. It's really new. It doesn't mean it's what's going to happen if Levine gets traded. But, yeah, I, I don't... In terms of what we're getting from him now, I, I actually don't think there's much to like say like what are we going to say like you should have him on a roster and just hold him like what else is there like it's not like a gigantic sell hikes and that's never going to work um 
he's not going to turn into a droppable guy. He'll have cold streaks, but like he's just doing what he's doing, and it's and it's strong at the moment. Yeah, and I think I think coming into the season, we thought he was going to have a bigger role. Um, we thought his assists would bump up a little bit, uh, just with the ball in his hands a bit more. He's doing that, but he's not. I mean, he's not getting much in the way of defensive stats. He's just hitting his shots, really. Um, yeah, that's he's the difference. A lot of threes. That's so. If that sort of comes back to I don't know forty four percent, he's probably top eighty, top ninety, which is still clearly must roster. But I think um, if you could trade him for a top fifty player, I'd certainly do it. Uh, and if not, just just hold him and enjoy the ride. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do that. Though. Like no one's going to be giving no. you a top, yeah, whatever top fifty player for him. I wouldn't again if he does. And congratulations, like that's fantastic. But it's just not likely to be something that that someone's going to be willing to do. I don't think. Uh, so next guy is, uh, I mean, he's been a topic of conversation all year. Victor Wembanyama. Um, he's off the injury report for tomorrow, so he'll he'll be fine. Uh, he's been. Oh, first round, I think I had a look. Fourth ranked player over the last two weeks. Uh, only four games, so small sample size. But I think if we look at what he's done this season, it's been what we expected. Uh, I guess with this this first game he missed uh, the other night because of that that injury that was sort of lingering, and people are starting to get worried. Is this going to be a bit of a pattern? Are we going to look? Is he going to miss some games moving forward? So if you were concerned and you wanted to look to trade him now, well, firstly, would is that something that, that you would be considering? And, and if so, what would you be looking for in return? Second round guy? Yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, again, I think people panic a lot about this stuff. They have prior ideas in their head, like, well, Wemby's never going to play. He's going to snap in half. The Spurs are going to shut him down in January. Like, I've heard this shit spouted in so many different spots, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's accurate. He missed one game on a back-to-back. He's off the injury board. He's back and playing. So we we sometimes we claim, not we, but like as a general populace, claim we know what's going to happen with injuries or health, and we just, we don't, right? So if you're trading Webinyama now while this panic arises, what's the point? You're going to get way worse value. And like, I don't know, you're going to get a, if I got a second round guy back, sure, maybe I would, right? But I'm not sure that I'm almost certain that I wouldn't be able to get that. And again, I, I'm just going to be more in that, in that area of like, just like hold on to it. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. If your league mm. is set up correctly, you're not playing into April anyway. Um, and I just think that at any point, anyone can get hurt. Like that, that is that is the truth. Like at any point, anyone yeah. can get hurt. And most of the guys who barely missed any time last season have been hurt this season, except Mikhail Bridges. It will come at some point. But like <laughs> Trey Murphy played like 80 games and um, Trey Lyles played 77 games. There's so many of them who played a million games and just haven't played at all this season and or yeah, played limited this season. So I, to act like we know how it's going to pan out is, is just false. And hey, these panic trades... Maybe it works out, but maybe it doesn't. I'm just not one of those people who's going to be like, well, I've got to get – he stayed healthy for 20 games. I've got to get rid of him now because he's definitely not doing this. I, I don't know that. I'd rather just roll with it and enjoy what I've got because, honestly, if you've got him, as you have him in some leagues, Kingy, like your team is built around the strength of what he brings. And you're not getting that back. Like You're not getting that back, so your whole team changes. So you've got to restructure everything that you do because you don't have him anymore just for a phantom f- worry that something might happen four months from now. I, I, don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a useful strategy. No, and no, I've had some trade offers for him, and and I don't know. Some of them are intriguing, but but I'm I'm hesitant. Um, someone you mentioned there who who was on my list for a little bit later, but I'll talk about him now is Trey Murphy, uh, who's come back, played two games now. 
played 29 minutes, I think, yesterday, 29 or 30, closed the game. Um, they're, I mean, they're featuring him alongside Herb Jones. I'm getting questions of should I go and pick him up? Well, I mean, why is he available? <laughs> would be my question there. But that's difficult, yeah. What like he he's someone we were pretty high on coming into the season, but we weren't sure what his role was going to look like. Is there any clarity there yet as to what you think his role might be when they're fully healthy, when they're when the games sort of matter like later in the season, that sort of thing, and and how that translates to fantasy? Because I'm getting people that are are being offered top 50 players for him. And, and my initial reaction is I would take a top 50 player for him. I would take a top 50 player as well. And I think, I think part of the thing with Murphy is that people will often quote Yahoo's ranking from me last season where it was like 25 or something, which yeah, is based yeah. on totals and based on lack of turnovers, which is just, again, look at the players around him on that list. And it's it, you can tell it's very clearly garbage that he's not that player. Right. I think that, my expectation was for him before the season started to be their starter and play 34 minutes, but also uh, expecting that his usage wouldn't be as high as last season because he played so much of the year without the big guys, without Zion, without Ingram for a period of time as well. He's obviously got to be rostered. He's, I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to play minimum 30 minutes a night from here on out, but is it 33? I, I, I don't know, but he's not going to have that clear path runway unless some guys get hurt that he had towards the end of last season for as good as I think he is. And I think he is a very, very key part to play next to Zion in, in particular. And if I was them, I'd be exploring to trade away Brandon Ingram and just let him start in that spot anyway, but that's a different story. Um, yeah. Top 50s, top 50 requires quite a few things to happen. I think to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like you said, like I said, I'd take a top 50 player for him. Um, I'd have him more top 80 range. Top ninety. Um, another another guy that has been a uh, topic of discussion this season for well for different reasons is Miles Bridges. Um, so before he was coming back, there was sort of discussion or talk around what's his role going to be. Are they invested in him? We still don't know if they're invested in him, but his minutes have been a lot higher than I thought they would be. Uh, the injury to Lamelo has obviously helped in terms of his production. Um, what like is what he's doing now something that we should expect for the rest of the year? I mean, he's at thirty six minutes over the last two weeks. I, I don't think I'd keep him there, but he's top fifty. He's been top fifty before. Is that just what we're expecting moving forward? A top fifty player? Yeah, I don't really see why not. Like I had that concern, considering they couldn't come to a long term agreement. The expectation mm. was that he wouldn't be on this team next season. Um, yeah, there's there's no reason to suggest he couldn't do that. Now, in looking at this, some of the stuff that he did earlier in the year, uh, like his rebound numbers have dropped significantly. His yeah. usage hasn't seen a gigantic rise without Lamelo, which is not a surprise because he's not a gigantic shot creator. He's not a high usage player. He's like 21, 22 sort of a player. Um, but I don't see any reason he's not going to play 36 minutes a night. Like I don't know why they would drop that down. They are trying to push for for wins with him at the moment. But like I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm not. I look at what he's doing at the moment. I, there's nothing that I look at and go, "Yeah, that probably won't hold." Actually, that's not true. He's shooting 44% from three. That won't hold. That'll come back down. So that's probably the only thing that I look at there that is probably sitting a little bit too high. But otherwise, again, he's just sort of he's just sort of doing what he's um doing what he's doing. Yeah, and look, I mean, going through his game log here, which is only eight games, but his field goal percentage is 
bang on what I expected it would be. He He's sort of 40% one game, then 60%. He had a 23% game in there. So his efficiency is is up and down, not as bad as, as PJ Washington, but mm. uh, but still... Yeah, not not consistent. So no, look, if you if you got him, um, I'd just be holding him. I, I managed to snap him up in a few leagues. Um, Anthony Simons is returning. Uh, sounds like he's returning potentially tomorrow. Uh, I've I'm very well aware of how long he's been out because I've got him in a number of teams, and he went down in that first game. I guess how with the way the Blazers are structured now, I think Scoot's starting to look a bit better. Shaden Sharp's had a all right start to the season. Brogdon's playing well. Where do you think Simon's fits? Like, is he straight back into the starting lineup? Um, and he is prioritised over some of these other guys because we we haven't we don't know yet. He didn't play enough to start the season to give us an idea of what the rotation looks like. So, it, any did thoughts? he play one game? He played one game, didn't he? He did. Yep. So I'm almost certain that he will start and. What the there's a lot of questions there, right? Will they start sharp over Thibel? Um I, I think they end up not they might they might not, right? But that Thibel will play like 18 minutes. Um, or Kamara's been staying there. So they've got the ability to do that. I, I wouldn't be worried about Simons at all. Like he is the guy that they want to focus on this season. The thing you've got to worry about is what it does to Brogdon, what it does to Sharp. Do they move Brogdon to the bench and start Simons at point guard? Do they go back to the Scoot and Simons pairing, which honestly is what Scoot, Simons, and Sharp is what they're building on. Right? Yeah. That is what they want to develop. And you're right, Scoot is looking better. And I think even what we see for this week or next week is not going to be indicative of anything that we see for the next mm. 15 weeks after that. So I wouldn't panic about anything that happens this week with that rotation, with Scoot, with Brogdon, with Sharp, with Simons, nothing. It'll be fine. He will start. He will be strong. He will lead the team in usage, and the other things will start to fall in around him over time. So it's still going to be very confusing. Somebody's going to lose out. It's going to be Brogdon, I'm guessing, even if Scoot is the guy losing out initially, and then the yeah, the Kamaras and, and Thibals will lose quite a bit. And, and honestly, Sharp will lose a little bit as well, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think he, he cuts into a few guys, and Brogdon, as you said, is probably the most expendable piece in terms of what they're building and their their timeline and their trajectory. Um, just something I wanted to to touch on, not really fantasy related because we know how good he is in fantasy. But Tyrese Halliburton had a, I mean, nationally wise in, in the states yesterday was some like they were calling it the breakout game because the Pacers don't get a lot of nationally televised games, and so people were able to see what he can do. I mean, we know what he can do. We've known that for a couple of years. But uh, I put something up just about where where would you have him in the MVP discussion at the moment in terms of real-life MVP. I think Jokic is probably number one. Um, some people had him down at 10, 15. Uh, a lot of people had him in their top five. Where, where would you have him at the moment? I haven't done it yet. Like I can probably, probably start doing like some MVP stuff at the end of the month. But I would say top five is probably is probably real. Like I think that you've got to have Jokic in there, Shea's in the top five, um, yeah. and then you probably Embiid's probably still in the top five, and then is it Halliburton, Giannis, Luca? Like he's got to be top five. I, I don't see how he's not. Yeah, I think that's sort of where I've got him. A few people said Darren Fox is probably in that discussion. Nah, no um, chance. Not not even close. As not, well, but... so I'm sorry, not not even close <laughs> with Fox. Like he's been he's had some good moments. He's not remotely close to the top five in MVP. Sorry, Kings fans, if you're listening. There's no way. Yeah, no, I I, I had Halliburton above him, certainly. Um 
Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting. As we know, team record or, or the where the team sits does factor in whether they admit that or not. Uh, the better the team, the better the chance of of a player getting MVP. So you would think that the Pacers would have to finish top four in the East for him to have a chance. I can't see them giving the MVP to a team that finishes seventh and is in the play-in. Would would it, would that be fair? Do you think? Or well, it's, well, it's happened twice in the last what six years. Happened to Jokic and Westbrook. They both got MVP finishing sixth or seventh seed. Well, the um, Nuggets that bad were they? I'd... In, in one of the, in one of his years, of they them. were. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it was the when the when Murray was out. I think it was that season. Yeah, oh, was, yeah. Okay, was six yeah. or seven seed. So it's happened twice recently. And Westbrook's yeah, MVP season was like that as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't even I don't even know what the current standings are at the moment. But like, I, I think that he's got to be red hot favorite to win in season tournament MVP as well. And that's yeah. probably going to add a little bit of something into that too. What are they? They're sixth and they're eleventh and eleven and eight. Yeah, like that's yeah. they're one game out of the fourth spot. Um, yeah, I don't, he's not going to win it. Look, Jokic is probably going to win it, but he's got to be. He's going to get votes. Like we saw yeah. Shea be a top five MVP guy last season. Halliburton will be this season as well. Uh, now, a team that I'd want to just touch on, which um, yeah, well, they've got Markel Fultz. We don't. We have no idea what's happening. You don't have any word on Fultz on on what's nothing. Nothing. No. Okay. So no, absolutely no idea. Uh, they're remaining very tight lipped. Um, he's not even questionable at this point. He's not. He's just. No. He's being ruled out a day in advance, two days in advance. So it's uh, exactly. It's annoying for me because I've got him in a few teams and I'm being really stubborn and holding him. But on the flip side, it has helped Jalen Suggs, who has finally, after years of drafting him and then dropping him, um, I've actually drafted him and been able to hold him. Um, what, what do you, And the Magic, obviously, very surprising this year. Their record is is really strong. Uh, they are coming off a loss, but that was in the, on the second night of a back-to-back um, against the Nets. What, where do you think the Magic can can they be a top four team this season? Can they be a top six? Are they a play-in team? It's they're doing all of this without Fultz and Wendell Carter, um, both of whom you would assume will come back at some point. But um, is this for real, or is this almost like what we saw from Utah last year? No, I, th- I think it's very different to Utah. We all thought that the Magic, after going what five and twenty to start last season, and then running five hundred the rest of the year, we thought. Oh, I think I think I had him. Eighth or ninth of my preseason predictions, and mm-hmm. they're obviously a little bit better than that. I think top four is a stretch, but top six is absolutely reasonable. Like, there's no reason that they can't, to me, be there because you said they're missing two starters, so the, they're not in a situation where they're incredibly healthy and they're just rolling everybody. And there is some shooting luck stuff in their numbers, but getting those two guys back is huge. And it's it's just it, it's can't do anything but make them better if or if and when they return. Well, Carter's definitely returning. Fultz, we have no idea, but. Yeah, I think there's there's no reason to suggest that um, that what they're doing is completely unreasonable. I, I don't think that's true. Uh, question: I've had a couple of people ask me, and you probably have as well. Is once Carter is back, is there any value in Goga Vatadze? And I don't think there is. I, I I think that if remembering back to the start of the season, he wasn't even in the rotation every night. I don't think, and and uh, Mo Wagner was playing those backup minutes. Any reason to be holding on to Goga once we get word that uh, Wendell is back? Uh, I doubt it. Like I, I think they might ease Wendell in a little bit to begin with, but Goga Badadze is the third string center. He's starting at the moment, but he's not playing like a starter. He plays 21, 22 minutes a night. Him and Mo Wagner basically split that. And 
to suggest that he's the reason that they're winning games. He's helping. He's been he's been good, right? Like, I, I like Ogre, but he is not the sole reason they're winning games. And I, I it is distinctly possible they run a weird three-man center rotation at first, but we've seen this so many times. Shout out Omer Yurtseven, where a guy comes in and starts, and then the guy returns and he goes back to getting zero minutes. Jordan Hawkins, right? Zero minutes yesterday. It happens all the time. Yeah. And Gogo's not out there running 30 minutes a night and controlling things. He's playing 21 minutes a night as a starter. And he's been solid enough. But I think it's a lot of the time, I think you'll find most of the people saying that, Kingy are the guys that have Goga on their fantasy team. So it's a lot of, as the kids would call it, like hopium. Like they're just like, yeah, I, I, nah, nah. He's not, look how good they are, man. They're going to keep him. It's it's possible. But what are they going to do? They're going to bench Mo Wagner, who is the best high-efficiency bench player in the entire NBA. Like yeah. his efficiency is off the charts. Like it's unbelievable. Are they going to not play Wendell Carter? I don't think that's going to happen either. No, so no. one of them has to not play. And it's, probably going to be Goga for as good as he's been. And there might be some interesting games where they mix and match and stuff. But yeah, I, a lot, most of the time I'm, I'm not going to make a move like, okay, Wendell's set to return tomorrow. I've got to drop Goga. Unless I'm in a situation where I've got Tyrese Maxi on my injured slot. I go, well, shit, I need to activate him. I don't have anyone to switch in. Who do I move on from? All right, it's Goga. But if I'm in a spot where I don't have to make a move, then I, I, I'll, maybe I'll wait. Let's see what happens. Look, because guys yeah. can come back from an injury and hurt themselves straight away. That's possible too. So I usually like to wait a game unless it's a scenario where I can't even afford um, to do that. But like, I'm sure you get these questions as well, is that people will often be like, hey, man, in yeah, a week's time, this guy's coming back. Who do I drop? Like nobody. Like just wait. Yeah. Wait till it actually happens and then even wait again. Wait one more day unless there's you know extenuating circumstances. But just wait until you have to make that call a lot of the time. And with Wendell Carter Jr. or yeah, dropping Goga, I think we can. I think we can wait a day on it to see what actually pans out. A similar situation in Boston. Al Horford was a pretty hot pickup over the last couple of weeks with with Porzingis out. Porzingis didn't play yesterday, which is a little bit surprising, but or maybe not surprising, I suppose, given their long term goals. But he's he'll be back soon. We we think maybe the next game, at least next week. Does that mean we go and drop Horford? Because I've had that question as well. Am I dropping Horford? Because I picked him up in a couple of leagues, and I'm just going to hold him um, and and see what happens with Porzingis, whether they ease him back in. But once Porzingis is back up to full health and playing his 34 minutes, 32 minutes, I don't think Horford will have 12-team value, but he's one of those, like we get asked about stashes all the time. Do we stash someone? A Kongwu was that guy a couple of years ago. Do we stash him just in case? And I think the only time you can consider stashing uh, in, in, in a highly competitive league and if you're if you're not sitting right at the top is the player needs to be producing something. And I think Horford does that. I think he, even though he's coming off the bench and playing sixth man, he he, he does stuff. He gets some rebounds, some assists. He'll hit a three. Um, he'll get a block or two. So what, what are you sort of seeing for him over the next month? Um, yeah, I, I don't really care. Like, honestly, at the moment, it's one of those scenarios, right? Like, if they had have won, yesterday, then we're definitely holding Horford even if Porzingis returns because they play on Thursday. But his game is on Friday. Would you even start him with 13 games on? Mm. Probably not. Um, and then you're waiting until the week after when Porzingis would definitely be back, I'm guessing. And we've seen what Horford's value is when Porzingis plays, and it's not good enough for 12-team leagues. 
his value spikes when Porzingis is out and when Porzingis plays, it's not good enough. So it is one of those scenarios where I think it's really, really clear cut. This is not like, well, is Goga actually better than Wendell Carter? Like we know that Porzingis is going to play more than Horford. That is, there's no debate about that whatsoever. Porzingis is going to start Horford for as good as he can be. His offense is down. He's old and they've got to preserve him. So it's just not going to happen. So if you want to drop someone to add someone on Thursday, I have no problem dropping Horford because I wouldn't use him Friday. And then Porzingis will be back next week. And the value that he provides as a reserve can be found by 30 different guys, I think. So I'm just not that interested in that hold. And while that might be a preemptive drop, it's all dependent on what you're looking to do. You want someone in for Thursday, then and he's your guy to move on from, move on from him. I don't think you're losing a huge amount in that scenario. But again, it mm. all ties back to that same question. Do you need to drop? You don't drop for the sake of it. There's no point in doing that. But are you looking to make a move for a specific reason? Then he can go. And sometimes you have to make that calculated decision that maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe Porzingis re-aggravates the out for a month. Ah, I shouldn't have done that. But sometimes you've got to make a calculated call on that and try and weigh up the probabilities. And I just think that when we're looking, especially short-term, but also fading into long-term, I just don't think Horford's worth it. Last guy on the list, and then I'm going to let you go, is I don't even know what the topic is for him, but Jordan Poole. Uh, we were, I mean, we were all relatively high on him, some more high than others. Um, to say he's been disappointing is probably an understatement. Uh, there's probably some colourful language we could use about what he's been doing on and, and off the court to some degree. You don't trade him because you're not going to get value back in a trade. Have you still got hope that he can be that guy that we thought he might be this season with all the usage and the shots? And we've seen glimpses over the last couple of weeks, but then he goes and has a nine-point game where he only shoots seven shots, that sort of thing. So for anyone that's holding him and he's sort of giving up hope, is there hope? There is, but there isn't, right? So. Can I do I think he's going to get back to what we thought he might do? Absolutely no way, right? We thought that, and 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 again, I've I've excused this a million times on my show. We saw a man coming off the bench playing 30 minutes with a 30 usage, getting to the free throw line, dishing assists, um, scoring. Like I think he scored 20 points a game last season as a bench roll. We went, all right, so he's gonna get more shots, he's gonna play more minutes, um, he's gonna be the number one usage guy on this team. I think that's all reasonable to project out, and then it's just gone the complete opposite direction. His usage is lower. His minutes are lower than last season somehow. His free throw rate, everything, his assist rate, everything is down from last season. And I don't, if even if you hate Jordan Poole, even if you think he's a bad player, which again, he's has been a good player. He was a, quite a good player. He had ups and downs. But you couldn't have said, that, I, I think this is going to happen. There is no way you could have projected this to happen, right? But from what he's doing now, that it can easily improve. Like it's not hard to see how it improves. Mm. Two extra minutes, two extra shots, um, one extra one goes in, a couple more assist opportunities. Tyus Jones traded. They push him to be the full-time point guard, which I think is possible too as well. All right, so I'm definitely not dropping him. I think there's room to improve. Can he get to top 50? Probably not. Top 80? Yeah, 75 maybe. It's not necessarily going to happen. But also, also I'm worried, and it's a different scenario, but I'm worried he's been a little bit Ben Simmons in that his head is just screwed. Like he's just done. Mm. Like he's mentally just not right. Like he got punched in the head by his teammate and it has rooted him. And now he's been traded and dumped by that team. He got assaulted at work and his team said, actually, you're the problem. I'll see you later. Like yeah. that, It can't be good for someone, right? And and whatever you, he can be looking at chicks' asses on the sideline, I don't care. Like whatever he needs to do, whatever he's doing, totally, you know, that's beside the point. There is something not clicking right with his focus level than where it has been in the past and he's been dreadful this season there is still room for that to improve but maybe that has 
not necessarily permanently, but you know, semi permanently screwed him. I, that is, mm. I, I think that's that can't be discounted. Yeah, and I think if you if you look at him now and then have a look at him two years ago when he was playing for the Warriors and they were they were firing mm. and he was playing well, he looks like a totally different player just in terms of his confidence and his mindset and. And he and started half of the, uh, look at nearly all of those games last se- that season, right? When he was yeah. cooking, and a large chunk of when he was starting was with Steph out. So it's not like well, Steph made him better because most of that season, like half of that season, he played without Steph, and he ran it like Steph. He ran the whole team without yeah. Steph there, and so that's not like Steph made him better. Like he did to a degree, yes. And Steve Kerr is better than Wes Unser and all that, and Draymond, all that sort of stuff, right? But he wasn't like he was putting up these numbers because Steph was creating all this gravity because. Half of those numbers came with Steph not there in mm. that season. So he was he was actually and he was honestly in his rookie year the, one of the worst players in the entire NBA. He was dreadful. But then he improved and he became good and he became actually really good and was able to be relied upon to be a the, the literal key offensive driver for a for a very for for a team that you know, turned was, was had a very good core and being a good team. And then he had a key role for them last season, would always feel like last season two years ago. Oh yeah, he no, that was sorry. Mm. Uh yeah, two years ago. Like he was a, a key player on that team. And was awesome at what they were able to to achieve. And it's a little bit frustrating. It's a little bit sad. It's it's annoying. It's all of those things. But you know, I think there is improvement. But you know, I, I lose hope every game. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the sample size is getting bigger and bigger by the day. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to let you go. Um, people know where to find you at Redrock underscore Beeble on Twitter. You've got all your shows. You've got Basketball Monster. Going on, anything I've missed? Anything in particular coming up that you need to let people know about? I think so, mate. Just all the same sort of stuff. We've got the uh, projections of Basketball Monster, all the shows at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Nothing, uh, nothing major coming up that uh, people don't know about. I don't think. All right, thank you again for coming on. Uh, that will do it for today's show. Remember, you can check out all of our stuff uh, at fbibasketball.com. We're on Google and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe would be brilliant. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.